Hi, Aaron. What's up? Hi, everybody. I'm Michael Racanelli. This is Out of Frame. I haven't uh, done this show since February, so time to come back after a long seven-month hiatus. <laughs> As you may notice, if you've watched the first one, I have a new set. It's a lovely picture up here. Little production value. That's you. Yeah, my eyebrows look different in that picture than they do in real life. They do. Yeah, I stopped plucking my eyebrows, and so it's weird <laughs> looking at that. Yeah. Because that's not, that's not how they look anymore, you know? I just, like, what? stopped caring. Really? Was that what it was? <laughs> well, someone actually, you know, I don't know exactly what happened, but I just kind of, like, embraced the natural me. Yeah, totally understand. I still shave my legs, though. That's Does good. that make me a hypocrite? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. I don't shave my legs. Out. Yeah. I mean, so. but you also don't pluck your eyebrows. So I'm like, That's not necessarily to... true. I do, <laughs> do I do kind of work on this area right here. <gasps> oh, Because I don't want to eat a brow. I'm of Italian descent, so. Well, your eyebrows get... look really good. Thank you. I must this is say. All, this is natural. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, but you have this great one right hair. Here, I'm faking it right here. Great eyebrows. Thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So... For those of you who do not know Erin, she is <laughs> she is a comedian, yes. a writer, an actress, yeah, um, an amateur boxer. <laughs> uh, what else do you do? All these things. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'm. Uh, you know, I, I love dogs. I'm a dog. You're a dog lover person. And what's, what's your favorite kind of dog? My dog. My dog your is dog? the best. Yeah, she is half uh, Maltese. Half Yorkie, so she's half brown, just like me. <laughs> so we like really bond on that level, you Got know. It. Yeah, we love each other. She's amazing. What kind of dog is she? She's a. You said she's a half Maltese, half. Half Yorkie. Half Yorkie. Yeah, so she's so, a small little thing. Yeah, she's like uh, 10, 11 pounds, and she like when she was a baby, she was super like like multicolored and brown and blonde and like golden and wow. then she grew up and like all of her puppy hair grew out oh. and she kind of became more Maltese looking okay so she's kind of like blonde which is like just like me oh my god we had the exact same transition into adulthood you wow. know it's so weird yeah <laughs> she's like your real daughter she's like my real daughter what's her name Ripkin Ripkin and yeah. where did that name come from Cal Ripken, the baseball player. Wow. Yep. So you were a baseball fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a Giants fan. I'm from the Bay Area. Oh, so that's like right. Baltimore, not even like my city, not my team. But I do think that like Cal Ripken Jr. is the most respectable baseball player that's ever lived. Okay. You know? He always showed up. He was dependable. Got it. Got it. So, Values, morals, things so, like that. I appreciate. Understandable. So <laughs> let's, um, since you're talking about the Bay Area and you grew up over there. Let's delve right into you grew up up in San Fran. I think. You I think, think you did. I think I grew up. Is it up. very... I might not have grown up at all. Well, I think <laughs> a lot of us haven't, I haven't don't know. really grown up. I'm going to kill this fan real quick here, too. I forgot to do that. Yeah? yeah. Okay, cool. Look at that. There we go. Um, just so we can make sure we can hear everything really well. Okay. Don't want to miss out. Yeah. I forgot no. to kill that a little while ago. That's the problem with <laughs> scheduling a broadcast to go live and then it just goes. I didn't say anything that important. It's all good. Okay. Um, but yeah, born in the Bay. I went to high school there. Okay. I moved to LA and I went to USC. Got it. Okay. Thought I was going to be a journalist. Wow. Studied broadcast journalism there. And then I kind of started getting jobs in the adult world and realized I don't really care about breaking news. I don't care about being there when it happens, but I do care about talking about it. And I want to have opinions attached to everything that I sure. did. So news, the news industry, didn't really seem like a good fit anymore. So I kind of got into hosting and comedy because I like talking about things, but never without attaching opinion or feeling. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. What were you... Um so you were going to go and you were going to go into journalism, but what did you want to do when you were a kid? Like when a you were, kid? yeah, when you were really young, cause like we all have that thing that yeah. we want to do. And I think that is the most honest time in our life. Well, when we really, you don't, cause you're not corrupted by society yet. I wanted to be a cat. You wanted to be a cat? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I wanted to be a cat. I wanted to be an astronaut. An astronaut. Yep. I wanted to be, um, an artist. 
but like an actual like a painting i did, i wanted to do that too yeah i was heavily into the yep. painting and drawing when i was a kid and at all the school art yep. fairs and all that stuff yeah me too and i would always like inner like uh do plays like put on shows with my brother and my cousins like that was my favorite thing i would like <laughs> it was so funny i would like make i have all these tape recordings of like a fake radio station so do i oh my god funny no enough, way. i do Are yeah you serious? my sister actually <laughs> my sister had them and she gave them to me and i have them in this cassette tape box somewhere in my apartment i haven't listened to them since <laughs> i was a kid so i have oh no idea and there's you like have to. there's mixes from like the 90s you like when i had a tape to. deck in my car and yeah i have to but i, I where do you even find a tape deck now but it's coming back, right? So like yeah, tapes are yeah. Coming back, so so can... I mean, when I was a kid, like I, um, I did the same thing, and I found them. Mm, not, I, I would say, like I really re-listened to them probably a couple of years ago. Okay. And I had like had all my old childhood gear, like all my old recorders and players and stuff like that. So I would listen to it and be like, "Wow, this is ridiculous." It was really funny, like. <laughs> The stuff that I thought was funny then, I still think is funny now. But the thing that's changed was like my personality in my delivery. Like I feel like as a kid, I was way more confident than I am now. <laughs> You've been corrupted by society. I'm like, You're what thinking happened? about all kinds of other things now. I was like, I was so sure. Like I was so sure on what I was saying. You could tell by like how fast I was speaking, and I was like, I wasn't second guessing anything. Oh yeah, like, you just dive right in. Yeah, what I said was fact. Like it was real. It was true. And now I'm Being like, real well. At eight. Eh, like I'll like think about stuff. I'll take a second. Like it's just like very different. What do you know anything offhand? Like do you remember anything specific that you talked about? That's like wow. Well, you know, I remember talking about the fact that I had a retainer, right? <laughs> like I have amazing teeth. You but do. This you was have very not nice teeth. natural. Like oh, wow. this is many years of orthodontia. I will be honest. Orthodontia. With you. I don't think yes. I've ever heard that word used yeah. in conversation. <laughs> remember when I was like, I don't know, I was 10 or 11 and I was making these tapes, I had a retainer in and so I would like acknowledge the fact that the way that I like, sounded hey was guys. weird. Yes, I had a lisp <laughs> and I like okay. I talked about it. I was like, yes, I have a lisp because I have a retainer in, well, whatever. Like I would like just put it out there and be like, okay, moving on. And I thought that was so funny that I like talked about it because no one was ever going to hear that you know like i acknowledged it for an audience that wasn't there but that is so funny don't you think that's kind of funny now though that you're doing comedy and that's basically what comedy is yeah you're, you're yeah. kind of embracing your flaws and being like hey this is weird no totally and as now a, you're doing that and as a kid so. i never ever thought i would do that like i never thought i'd be a comedian like, I've never, like, considered myself hyper-confessional. Like, I'll be honest. Not sure. until adulthood, right? Right. So, as a kid, knowing, like, no one's ever going to hear these tapes, why am I talking about the fact that I have a lisp right now? <laughs> I just felt like I needed to tell someone. But you I listened guess. back to know. them, right? Yeah. No, I did. So yeah. So, it's just a matter But I of... thought that was so funny. It almost, like, made me embarrassed, like, insecure about the fact. I was like, oh, my God, why am I even talking about this? Like, really? And then I thought, like, wow, that's... That's weird that like nine, ten year old Aaron was talking about having a lisp. Like I needed to explain it <laughs> to a non-existent audience. But you got it. You got it out, and you listened to it. And I think that <laughs> I think admitting admitting something like that is the first like step to you know acceptance, and then just being confident about it, right? I guess they, they so. Go for anything. I don't know if I was confident about anything at that age, though. I don't think I knew anything, really. Um, I don't think any of us knew anything. Yeah, like, what did, do you know anything about life at age 10? or? I don't remember. It was a long time ago. A really long time ago. <laughs> a really long time ago. Yep. I think I was just playing on my Commodore 64 at that point. That was I, a sweet computer. I don't even know what that is. Oh, it was a sweet computer. Really? first computer I ever had. Okay. So you, um, so you made tapes as a child. And then what, what were you doing in high school as far as like creativity goes? Um, Cause I'm assuming you were always a creative entity, right? Maybe kind of, I went to Christian school and I feel like in high school, I went school, to Catholic school for 12 years. So yeah, it's kind of like your creative side is not like really that much encouraged in schools like that. <laughs> I feel sort of true. That was my experience. Right. So I felt like I, I was a cheerleader. I played tennis 
I don't really feel like I was connected to the creative side of me, which is weird because when I was in middle school, I went to a performing arts middle school. Right. And I was super connected to all of that. Right. You know, like I felt very like in touch with myself as like a dancer and like a singer. Like I did both those things when I was really, really young. That's why I went to that school and acting and stuff like that. And then I went to Christian school and I felt like it was all super repressed. Like all that kind of wasn't like it was kind of an option, but it just like felt like not everyone was doing it and it felt like you were kind of like judged for doing it. I don't know. It was just like hmm. a different vibe, you know, a very different vibe than going to like a performing arts school. I, I don't feel like they did a good job of kind of like fostering or celebrating that. Okay. That element. And you of, think that had to do with like the, the spiritual aspect of the school? I really don't know, but I just <laughs> know what it felt like from going okay. from one place to another, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, don't know what to blame it on. I don't know like why it was the way that it was, but I just know how it felt. And I just felt like way more free, way more like in touch with being creative when I was in at the performing arts school. Right. And what, where did the switch come from? Why did you end up going to a Because um, where I'm from, there's not that many great public schools, right? So it was kind of like, well... You're going to go to private school now. Right. You're going to get into good college, and this is like your track okay. in life. And so I ended up in private school at that point. So your parents, were they, um, did they, you know, sort of foster the, the creativity? At yeah, were... yeah. My parents have been amazing the whole time. They're incredible people, and they've always been cognizant of that side of me and my brother. My right. brother's the same way. Okay. And always helped us develop that explore it but they just wanted to make sure you went to a good college yeah i mean going to college wasn't even an option for us it was like you're going to college right yeah you can go wherever you want to go but you're going to college it wasn't even a question it wasn't like if it was where so how did you get to the point then so you went you said you went to usc Mm -hmm. which is how you ended up down here yeah and you went for journalism was that the first choice well what I, I transferred actually. I went okay. to LMU. Okay. And I wanted to always campus. do. It's beautiful. I always wanted to do journalism, but okay. at LMU they don't have a journalism program. What did you go into LMU doing? Um, undeclared. Okay. And they have like a certificate program, but it's basically work on top of another major. So when I realized that, I was like, okay, this is what I really want to do. Where are the best programs? It was like Syracuse, USC, okay. Northwestern. So I applied to Syracuse and USC. <laughs> Got into both. Oh, wow. Got money to go to Syracuse. Decided, no, I want to go to USC. <laughs> Did you want to stay closer to your family? Is yeah. That, okay. I wanted to stay close to California. Want to be close to where my friends were. Right. Yeah. Did any of your friends go to USC with you? Uh, I mean, I knew some people that had okay. transferred at the same time, but it right. was kind of, or people that had gone there originally, actually like my, my high school boyfriend was there oh. and then we ended up dating when I transferred. It was really funny. <laughs> yeah. Like again. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was kind of weird because you're, you're joining a group of people that already had that right experience of like, Oh, we're new here. And then all of a sudden you're new here and you kind of don't really know. Like you're, everyone has their shit figured out and you're like, I don't really, okay, yeah. what am I doing here? Right. Yeah. Transferring sucks. <laughs> That's really basically does. what it comes down to. Transferring it sucks. It really does. But I honestly think it's probably like one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. So you, so you transferred, you started in journalism and then how, what did you get involved with, uh, and get involved with as far as journalism goes in college? I'm assuming you, there was like a... USC, like student news. Yeah. I mean, we had to do that as journalism majors. So there was a news channel. So I did, um, I was the weather girl. (laughs) Yeah. So I did like Trojan vision, weather girl stuff. Um, I did, there was this show called platform where it was like a debate show. It was like, someone takes one side, someone else takes another side. And then we like debate each side. Sure. I did that show. I did a radio show. Like, <laughs> Back I don't know. to the radio show again. I know. I did all this stuff. It was it was cool. It was fun, but at the same time, it's hilarious. I'm like, <laughs> but nothing stuck then. Well, I mean, I would say all of it stuck in a certain way. I had to. I mean, I do podcasts now, right? You know, so I know about sound editing. Sure. 
So there's and technical aspects of it. Yeah. But as and far as everything in news journalism, like video journalism, like I'm not a news reporter, but right. I know how to edit stuff. Right. I know how to produce content. You so, know, it's weird. It's like the things that you learn are indirectly related to what right. you're doing now. Right. So and there's like, been this constant thread through everything you've done since a child. Maybe in certain ways. In certain ways, you're always like growing and building sure. and figuring things out as you go. So then where did you, where did you go from there? So you graduate and you're like, okay, I have a degree in journalism. <laughs> what happens now? Um, I got hired at TMZ. That was my first, yeah, my first job. Amazing. What did you do there? Oh my God. I don't even know. <laughs> you do know. Uh, I mean, I was working in the newsroom. I was trying to break stories. They need content. They wanted pictures. They wanted to find out what happened to Lindsay Lohan the night before, whatever, kombucha. you know. Is she drinking a bunch of kombucha and getting yes, drunk? Yes, yeah. so much kombucha. So, it was, I don't know. It was just kind of like a lot of, um, they want to break news. They want to break right. news. They want to be the first people to tell you what's going they on. They were the first people to break Michael Jackson's death. Yeah, that it, was like kind of when I was there. Yeah, I was there for that. I was there for when Brianna's mugshot came out. I remember that was a big deal. Right. I remember there were things that would come across like the desk there that they didn't know if they could go public with or not because it was, you know, like you have a photo, you don't know where it's from, right. like you're not. I learned a lot about legality, I would say <laughs> there. <laughs> because they're constantly getting information, but sure. it's like, when can you actually say that this is true or not? You right. know, you can't just like put every rumor out there. So right. I learned a lot about that there. And um, I learned that I don't really care about breaking news. <laughs> I don't care about being the first person that tells you Michael Jackson died, but I would like to talk about his legacy sure. or what that meant to pop culture yeah. or like what the implications are and why it happened. But I don't really care about being the first person on the scene that can tell you Michael Jackson died today. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, especially with like celebrity culture, it's really weird how obsessive people become with like details of, and they're just creative people like either one of us. They just attain some sort of status because of the amazing work that they've done that so many people are, you know, touched by it. And yeah, I mean, TMZ, I, they've, I usually looked at them as far as, like I said, with Michael Jackson, like they broke it and everybody was still confused. And I was like, oh no, it's definitely true because TMZ has it. Yeah. You know, they're pretty, they're pretty good about being able to get in there first, but it, yeah, it is a weird, it is a weird line to cross with breaking things like that and having to be there first and be like, you know, so-and-so overdosed and this is how it happened, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I can understand why that's kind of like an overwhelming thing, especially as a creative person not wanting to kind of step over that line. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I think at the time I just felt like it was just like, again, I don't, I don't really care about being the first person to know. I do care about what it means. Right. And I've always been that way, but I don't think I was really able to like to really piece that together until I was actually there. And that was my job. And it was like, you don't have an opinion. You don't, you know what I mean? Like, this is like what you say. It's, these are the facts and you're a conduit for that. Right. Yeah. So you worked at TMZ and then what happened? Then I uh, learned I wanted to host. How did you end up quitting TMZ? What did it What did well, it come down to? Was there any sort of like... I got like this G4 thing that was kind of like a G4, E3, whatever. That was the, ga that was the gaming yeah. network. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I want to do this. Okay. So I don't know. I just kind of... I think what really happened was I realized that I wanted to be able to be a personality... I wanted the freedom to say what I wanted to say. Right. Attach opinion personality to what I was doing currently. Mm -hmm. And I kind of started getting those op opportunities while I was there. Right. And yeah, you have to I took them. That. Right. <laughs> so what were you doing? What were you doing on G4 then? What was like the... I mean, did a whatever. Bunch of various that, pieces for no, just like random things here and there. Like, but like what that meant for me was I was able to take a lot of other hosting opportunities like right 
G4 was just like one of them. I was doing stuff for the stream.tv, which was one of the first live streaming networks. Okay. You know, like a bunch of other, Clever, which is now one of the biggest entertainment online channels. Right. Just like a bunch of places like that. Like I just had opportunities to host for a lot of people, which so, was, it was like essentially the same thing, but you're kind of like, you get the news and then you make a video about the news. Right. Which is kind of cool because right. it, elim- it eliminated the pressure of having to break it. And you could kind of like put You can your take it in, or, dissect yeah, it, or be like, say, what does like, this mean? This is yeah. what this person's saying. It's what this person's saying. Like, these are the point of views. Like, we don't know. I don't know. It gives you a lot more freedom. Right. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. This, so, yeah, there's sort of this this through line of you're, you're just evolving now because now at this point, so you've, you move on to doing a lot of hosting work. And you're kind of turning, you're kind of becoming this sort of brand and this content creator on your own. So this is starting to be more, more so about you and not the, not the vehicle that you're in. Yeah, kind of. Because you've now, after, you know, this, this entire, all of these points, you've kind of, you know, you did, you did this and that and was, you know, you were the weather girl and <laughs> Trojan vision. <laughs> Um, then move on to TMZ and it was kind of about these sort of vehicles. And then, and then you started, you know, as you were hosting and taking these things in and giving your own opinion, you're now becoming sort of a separate entity that can kind of pick things up. And, and I'm assuming that's when you started to transition to other things. Like when was, when, in, when did the comedy come in? When did the, when did the writing come in and that? Yeah. Um, well, I ended up producing video content for a startup and it was a place where I was hosting. So one of the places where I was doing red carpet interviews or whatever junkets, they wanted to bring on someone full time to do all their video content. And that ended up being me. I got that position and I kind of had this idea for some content that I wanted to roll out. And there was something that was kind of comedic related, but also entertainment related pop culture that I wanted to work on, but I had never written a joke a day in my life and I didn't have writers and have resources. Like it was literally one dude that was running the website and me and I was running the video. And not only was I running the video, I was half running the website too. You know, like we were that understaffed. So I got into a joke writing class and okay. there was a showcase, the improv. And after that I started kind of getting booked around town. So while simultaneously was here at the startup kind of creating content trying to figure out how to make this show work for the internet, I was also starting to do stand-up, which I never thought I'd be doing. <laughs> so you, where, did you take this, where did you take this joke writing class? I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember. And I remember, I do remember, it was not worth my time. It was just <laughs> a joke of a joke writing class. Wow, look at that. Yep, it was hilarious. I didn't learn anything. It was kind of like, well, this is how you write a joke. You attach an opinion, new situation, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, like, I already know how to do this. Thing. No, it wasn't that I, I honestly didn't learn how to write a joke to like three years after that class. Okay. But it's sad that I got into that class to try to understand it and no one there could teach me and no one was like, nope, this is how you do it. You know, it was kind of one of those weird classes where they kind of like, like tell you kind of what you're supposed to do, but don't correct your work where you're like, no, you, okay, this is what you're missing from this material. Like you, you know, I remember trying to test that material and people would be like, well, is that true? Like, is that, it's like, (laughs) yeah, okay. Like, I don't like, what are we correcting here? Like whether or not that's true or whether or not a well-written joke, like, does it make sense? Is there a setup? Is there a punch? Like, how long does it take you to get from the setup to the punch? Like, are you concise? Do you make sense? Is it funny? Is it funny? Which is none the most of that shit was discussed. You joke. know what I mean? Right. So I don't, I don't suggest that to anyone out there. That's so listening. it was kind of just way too open as far as being able to teach. Well, I just like... don't think they knew what they were doing. Okay, that's yeah. fair. I really don't. So, so you had to write jokes. Took a joke writing class. Didn't learn anything from it but yet you soldiered on. At the time, I thought that I did. I thought, oh, wow, okay, now I know what I'm doing. And I got up there and I had so much confidence. (laughs) Just like told my shitty jokes and sold it and started getting booked around town at random shows. And it's funny because like now I wouldn't, like that material makes me cringe. Like that was so bad. 
I had no idea what I was doing, but for some reason I was like, yeah, I know it. It's great. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> Confidence sells a lot of things. Apparently. But I remember shortly after that feeling like not confident at all. I'm realizing, oh, okay, now that I'm in the real world doing other shows, maybe my jokes aren't that great. It's it's weird because you do you start to, especially when you get in that position where you're doing, you're actually doing what you are want to be doing or you're trying to do and you start comparing yourself to others who are already doing this and they might not even be that great and they probably beat on themselves after the fact you're like oh the joke sucked but you're yeah. looking at them and you're like oh my god like i have such a long way to go you know these people yeah. you know no totally what was what was the first um what was the first like stand-up gig that you did do you remember the first time being on stage yeah, it was that showcase for that class. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you remember any of your material? Yeah. Do you want to talk about any of it? Nope. <laughs> you hate it that much. Um, it's just not indicative of what I'm doing now. Okay. Mm-hmm. I remember that I felt like at the time... You know, when you start becoming creative or whatever, when sure. you start working on a new thing, your your taste and your opinion and what you're striving to be is often influenced by who you admire, right? So I would watch, you know, Whitney Cummings or Amy Schumer or Natasha Leggero. I'd watch their content. You start to emulate them in yes. order to find your footing. Yeah. Wasn't really my voice. Right wasn't really what, what I wanted to talk about, wasn't really what I identified with, even though they're all great. Um, I feel like what I tried to do was try to be like them. Right. Right? And I feel like that takes a while for you to learn what your voice really is or what you really want to talk about. Yeah. You know, what resonates with an audience coming from your mouth. You- it's not going to be the same as like what works for Amy Schumer or Whitney Cummings, or Natasha Leggero, like my, for me, it's like something different. You kind of have to emulate before you innovate, yes. basically. No, totally. It's, it's, I always learn. tell people like in... It's how you learn. I always tell people in bands like, Radiohead could have never written Kid A if they hadn't written OK Computer. And it's a, that's an amazing album, but they sound like a lot of British bands out at the time. Yeah. But they had a lot of great songs in that record and they had to do that in order to move forward and be accepted by people and kind of know that they can they can write songs. They had to learn themselves through others, right? Is Kid A your favorite Radiohead album? Um, I would say probably The Benz is my favorite Radio Radiohead album. Really? So, yeah, yeah. Okay. I like a lot, but Don't I would say Don't leave me. <laughs> I like I would say Oasis is probably my favorite band from that era though. Did you, have you seen the the uh, Liam Gallagher making a cup of tea? What's, you have to watch. I'll send that, that to you. It was on BBC Three. Had it on there. Okay. Uh, like it was like last week, but th- it's basically just short video of him making tea, and then being pissed off because when they he was talking about in the nineties, he's like, we used to have four guys making tea, and this fucker, and this fucker, and. And he's like, and now, you know, people aren't buying any albums. You're downloading songs for nothing. And I have to do this. And you wonder why there's no real rock stars anymore. Because we're making tea. <laughs> Wait, yeah. what? Yeah, it's, it's really funny. I'll send, it, I'll send it to you. Okay. Um, so, okay. So you started, you did the showcase um, at the class. And then do you, what was your first sort of like, holy shit, this is like a legit show opening for whoever. Do you remember what? With that, I'm assuming you remember. Um, where I started feeling like a real stand-up comic. Yeah, where like you, you almost felt like intimidated by like, wow, this is actually happening. Well, I mean, probably when I went on tour with Tom, like Tom Green, that was kind of, I started feeling like, oh, like I'm a real comedian, I guess. Because um, <laughs> prior to that, I'd taken a little bit of time off because I started realizing like, I don't really like my material. I started realizing the stuff that I had written or was working on was kind of more influenced by other people's voices than really my own. I also felt like it was kind of a bad depiction on, like, who I was, right? Like, I'm up there. It's my voice. It's my face. Right. And I kind of was trying to figure out who I was up there 
like what message I'm sending. And I felt like the stuff I was talking about wasn't necessarily what I wanted the reflection of me to be, you know, like it was kind of like now I feel, I feel way better about that because I feel like I'm saying stuff that's meaningful and important. Right. And at the time what I was talking about was kind of like stuff that I thought was personal that others could relate to or other girls. But I just, I want to do something bigger than that. I don't want to talk necessarily about me and my life. Like I want to talk about social issues and the impact and like what, what we're doing in this world. Like, why are we slut shaming people? Like, these are the things I talk about now, right? right? Like, I feel like I have like a way more interesting point of view. It's not just me telling you a story about sure. my life. I'm telling you how I feel about bigger issues and how my life events fit into that. Right. Which is really what I want to be doing. I don't want to be this person that's up there like, oh, this story, this thing happened today. Right. Who cares? Like, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean? Right. What did you learn from that? And that was the element that I was missing in my early stand-up. Okay. But, I mean, it, I, it, I'm assuming, I mean, obviously it took time for you to learn that because you, growing up, you don't learn yourself until much later on. I mean, I, I remember being, you know, in my early 20s and, again, not knowing what the fuck was going on half the time and thinking about how I thought then I couldn't, I can't even like come up with a coherent thought of like, how did anything I was thinking about or thought was important made any sense? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's good. Yeah. That gradually happens over time. And, and, um, it's, it's interesting that you went, you know, to go to school for journalism and then that's kind of like made its way back around into, you know, like you said, what you're doing now. So you're sort of reporting but in a way that makes you think through, you know, telling something in, in the form of a joke, right? Yeah, kind of. I mean, there's certain things that, like, directly correlate from journalism to joke writing. You know, like, in journalism, you're supposed to really focus on brevity, you know, like getting to the point. Right. And that's true in comedian life as well, you know, like getting to the point, being concise with what you're saying, at least in my point of view. And then also I feel like it's important to have, um, like, I don't, I feel like gravitas is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Like to have some sort of like, uh, like trustworthiness as a journalist. I feel like the same is true with comedians, you know, like you want to believe that person, you know, even if you disagree with them or their point of view, you want to believe that what they're telling you is like really how they feel about it, you right. know? It's genuine. Right. Like no one wants to see a fake ass comedian up there <laughs> telling you what you want to hear. Right. They want to hear what what you're trying to say, you know? Like what what is it that you're trying to share with the world? Like what is your point of view? Like no one wants to see someone that's pandering to an audience. Right. So I think that's also really important. It's just like having that element of, yeah, you can trust me even if you don't agree with me. You can trust what I'm saying is actually what I think. I... You know, it's funny that you say that because I, I was just thinking about two different even times in the last like 20 years. I think about, you know, Seinfeld and how much that show had done for comedy. And, you know, he's sort of a, a very observational of things and the way that he observes things is hilarious. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, now with the, the kind of climate we have going on in this country, and I just watched um, uh, Hassan Minaj's Homecoming uh-huh. on Netflix, and that was amazing because he talks about growing up uh, Muslim in in America and how when like you know September 11th happened, how people started like you know like somebody broke his windows on his dad's car, and and he he was here his entire life, and right. to him he's like, what? Why are you guys acting like this? This is this is where I was born. This is my home. You know. Um, and it's, it's, that's kind of like what you're talking about is sort of having that, that, that truth. And, and I mean, yeah, there were parts of it that were funny, but what I really appreciated about it was that it was, you know, you he took you on this ride of like giving you this information that's funny growing up, like, Oh, I'm a Muslim kid. And this is, you know, this is weird to me and this is what it's like. And, and you're laughing through, you know, through him because you're like, Oh wow, that's really awkward to have to, to feel like that. And then you kind of get to this point of like, you know, I was almost like, 
you know, starting to tear up because he, he kind of, you know, it's still, it's still comedy and he still brings it back, but it has, it doesn't have such like weight to it. Yeah. That's really important. That's something that I've like recently kind of gotten to the point of, I guess, like accepting and both striving for is that I, it's going to sound weird, but as a comedian, like I don't feel like my responsibility is necessarily to make you laugh. Like, obviously I would love to, that's what I aim for when I'm writing, but really I want to make someone feel something and I want to bring levity to what comedy is. Like I want to, I want to provide an experience that is fun for people, but I also want to provide meaning, you know, like it's kind of, I love jokes. I love writing and I, I like, I love punchlines, but I want people to remember what I'm saying, you know, like that girl. Oh yeah. That girl says some things that are really like true. Like, yeah. Like when she was talking about feminism, I agreed with her. I, you know what I mean? Like that's more important to me than like a ha ha joke. I feel, I, I mean, I think that's important because I, if you, you can, if you can get somebody to feel something right. And you take them on this ride, even if it comes to a point of like, you're telling you know, you're telling a piece about, like you said, slut shaming or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then you have women who identify with that and they feel, you know, they feel like, oh, wow, like there's little parts of that that are almost like funny to them in a, in a, in a way of like, like, wow, that's terrible. I went through that. Like, it's so, you know, it's nice that you're, you know, communicating this. And then through that ride, I'm sure you've hooked some of the men in the audience too. And once you have you know, made them feel something, then maybe they can have some sort of empathy to what you're speaking about as far as yeah. something like slut shaming, right? Because then they start to think, they're like, oh, I trust you because you've made me feel something at some point. Mm-hmm. And then now, you know, I'm willing to take this journey with you through what you're saying and not just immediately shut off. Right. And that's something that I've like been thinking about and learning recently was when I was on tour, you know, with with someone else. There were people that were involved, you you know, like my manager at the time or whatever was like involved in my material and what I should be talking about, what I should be talking about, like how are you going to get a show? How are you going to get a sitcom? And I remember having conversations with my manager at the time about, you know, Aaron, you should do material that's like, I hate sluts. You should be like anti-sluts because women don't like sluts and so that's how you're going to get women on board with you. And I remember telling him, like, no, because literally in my notebook and the material I'm trying to develop and write, like, I don't think slut should be a word. Like, I don't think we should be judging people for their, it's their choice. Who gives a fuck? Like, let them live their life. I don't think we should be judging women by that. And they're like, no, but if you're talking about this, like, girls are going to like that because no one likes a slut. Now I literally get up on stage and I say, everyone likes sluts. Guys like sluts. Girls like sluts. Let's not, like, slut shame anyone, really. Right. And I have jokes, like, I have material from that perspective. And I get, like, applause breaks, you know? People identify with that. Like, that's real. Like, I'm a girl. I don't want to get up there and talk about, like, other girls, you do this, you do this, but I'm right and you're wrong. Right. I don't care. We've all made mistakes. We've all been We all continue to make mistakes. Yeah, of course. We're all evolving. And I don't don't believe that anyone... I think slut should not be a word. I really think that. Like, let's get rid of that from the dictionary. Delete it. I don't give a fuck. Like, no one should be labeled a slut. We all make choices. I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't disagree you know? with you. So. And so I'm so anti that. I remember, like, people being like, yeah, you should, like, to make girls like you. Well, you know this town. You know you gotta, how they. like, play this game and be this person. And I remember just thinking, and I remember trying to work on that material and, like, looking at what I had kind of developed and notes that I had about that idea that were my voice and like trying to think about like what people were telling me to write, like what should be my voice. I remember thinking like, there's no way, like I can't, I can't, I'm not going to take that stance. Like how do I make this work? And there was no way. And now the stuff I'm doing is so funny. Cause like people told me not to talk about this. People told me not to take that stance. People told me to, you know, be the person that's like, judgmental of other people's behaviors because that's what people will identify with. You know, that's how you're going to get girls on your side. Cause like girls over there with your boyfriend, like they don't want like a slut there. And I'm like, yeah, that's but it's not logic. It's not what I believe in. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
And now the shit that I was afraid to say or that people told me not to say is the stuff that's working the most for me on stage. Right. And that's a huge win for me, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I mean, you, you would agree that comedy is, is truth. And so, yeah, when you're, when you're being yourself and you're being honest about things, people can, can identify that the most, you know, it's, you can't, the whole idea of, of, you know, in the fifties, they didn't have toilet paper or tampon commercials on TV. And that's just the reality of, right. of humanity. Humanity finds the things that they have to deal with and identify with every day as, as something that moves them. And if it's, if you can point that out, like you could with your retainer, then, <laughs> then it's funny because it's like, Hey, this is, this is just the truth. We all have to go through this. Right. So that's a, you know, yeah. And it's funny because like, also my mom, like I love my mom. She's amazing. But she was like, I can't listen to your podcast. And you know, my podcast is V carded. Like I right, talk yeah. about how people sure. lost their virginity. Yeah. And, and I was like, why not? And she's like, well, because you, you know, you talk too much about like your sex life. And I don't really like, I interview my guests, my guest does, they tell right. their story. I relate to it in certain ways that I can, but I really don't that much but she I guess she might have heard something that she didn't want to know or hear about which I thought was so funny like this is my mom like she's a different generation Mexican Catholic conservative mom and she's she can't handle my podcast where I barely talk about anything I do right <laughs> but it's just guilty by association it's like oh you're hanging around these people yeah but it's well maybe I just think maybe it's a different time like it was a different yeah. time you know back then and now and now I don't consider what I do to be that extreme like right it's, I you know I feel like V carded is actually the perfect like apex of my comedic abilities and my journalism experience you know like I talk to people I interview them I can handle it with you know, professionalism and sensitivity, but at the same time, like if something is funny, like we're going to have fun with it. Yeah. And my mom can't handle it. <laughs> She's like, no, the time you're like, yeah, like I've experienced stuff like that. It's like, too much for her. Yeah. Maybe just cause I'm her daughter though. I, I would know. assume so. Yeah. Maybe it's different. <laughs> Probably. She doesn't want to know. No, I don't think so. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. Mom, I'm sorry. Oh. I love you. <laughs> As long as you love her, it's all that matters. I do, yeah. I just wanted to be able to hear my podcast. It's good, you know. Yeah, really I'm sure good. she knows that. I'm sure she knows it's great. I hope so. She just told me she can't listen to it anymore, and that's all I gleaned from the conversation. Or maybe she told you that, and she's secretly listening to it. <laughs> I hope she is. I think she's it's just good. sitting in her car, all like. It's a really good show. Listening to it, it really is. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I've listened to it. Yeah, what I enjoy. Do you listen to? Um, I started listening to. The first up, the very first episode with Camilla Cleese, yeah, with Michael, Camilla, yeah. and yeah, it was. Um, I was listening to it on a car ride. I had a long car ride like a couple months ago, and it's funny. Yeah, I liked Camilla's really interesting. She's my writing partner and like one of my best friends in stand up. But the fun, the funny thing about Camilla is that like she is now like a very different person than she was when she lost to Virginia, right? Like she, are we all? Yeah, like well, I mean, but she was like a party girl, and now she's like sober. So it was kind of like a different lifetime. Mm -hmm. So I think her story is really interesting because it's almost like looking back yeah. and thinking like, yeah, I was a different person. You were a different person. Right. But like, she has like made some big changes in mm -hmm. her life and big decisions, which is awesome and great. But looking back at that, like former person, you're like, who was that? Like what? I know it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, I love her episode. She's great. I'm very, very honest. I love that. It's, it's weird. Yeah. Like you said, thinking back, like life it's, you know, you're almost living like, you know, multiple lifetimes in one lifetime. And I think about all the stuff that I've done. Like I used to be in bands and tour with bands and do all that. And that's just like, I can't even, I can't even imagine or remember most of the things yeah. that happened at that time. And it's been a, it's been a long ride. Yeah. So I feel, I definitely feel that. Totally. I feel like my worries and concerns were very, very different when I was like early twenties, Aaron versus now, you know? Oh, yeah. I was just like, I remember when I was in my early 20s, I had this boyfriend that worked at CAA and he was just like an assistant, but they have that whole little community, you know, right. like all the assistants know each other 
and they like develop these bonds because their jobs suck and they get paid nothing and they work so hard, right? <laughs> right. And I remember being so intimidated by that community. Like they were doing that and I was, you know, trying to be a host or a personality or a journalist or whatever, you know. And at that time, it was really, really difficult for me to figure out how I was going to do this my way. And, you know, anytime you want to be on camera, you're doing it for free when you first start out. You're not getting paid for that shit. Yeah. So it was kind of like all these stresses of like, how am I going to make this work? Like I felt so far away from my dreams and it was so weird because I felt like these people that had a path or an idea of what they wanted to be doing, whether it was like, oh, I want to be an executive. I want to be an agent, whatever. Like that in itself was intimidating to me. I was like, oh my God, like I can't handle this. These people like know what they're doing and I don't know. And, but I would never admit that, you know, but those were the things that like scared me. Oh, about yeah. people that had like a path of what they wanted to do. I was still figuring mine out and didn't know if it would work or not. That's, I was like, oh yeah. That's the weird thing about creativity and any and any aspect about doing it. I mean, because the reality is you have to support yourself some way. You need to yeah. have a place to live and feed yourself and et cetera. Uh-huh. And it's so, I mean, I grew up on the south side of Chicago and my entire family, no one, you know, has, is really that creative they're creative in their own ways but they're not like i'm the one that left the state no one's ever lived anywhere else and i'm the one that is the creative person i tried doing other things like working in the financial sector and and everything like that and i just couldn't do it and it's i look back at like i don't i don't know what necessarily would make me happier like i just realized that i'm a creative person and this is what i need to do and it's I sometimes envy those people, though, that are like, oh, I'm going to be an engineer, so I'm going to get good grades in math, and then I'm going to go to college for engineering, and then I'm going to get hired by an engineering firm because I have this piece of paper and had good grades in math, and then that's it, and then I'm going to work my way up Mm -hmm. through this, this, and this. And that's kind of like the CAA thing. You you come out, and you're, you know, you work on someone's desk, and then you get promoted, and then you're an agent, and... And you're it's like then you, then you start your own whatever, agency. And, and then you like know people and you meet people and yeah. whatever. I'm like, wow, you're like, that is scary. Yeah, you're like, I don't know what I'm it doing. It might work out. It might work out for them. Like, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was so intimidated by like that kind of stuff, which is so dumb because we're all yeah. on our own path. That's the one thing. But I was can't. so insecure. I had no idea. Like I didn't know how I was going to get to where I was at and where I wanted to be, you know? And in this town and in this in in the creative world, you can't you can't ever know some things and and I I still struggle with that. Like yeah. how do you how do you get to this next step or this next place? And totally sometimes people do you know they're like with like with actors they're doing like the the you know I'm gonna go to all these classes and I'm gonna do all these showcases and I'm gonna study 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 and then right. they're gonna do these you know they're gonna get this agent and blah 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 yeah. and then there's other people that are like oh I'm serving at Koi and so and so sees me hey you're an actor and boom, like that's it. There's literally no way to do it. So you can't compare yourself to anybody else's path. It just doesn't work. It just creates a lot of anxiety. Yep. Totally. So your stand-up now, um, a lot more uh, insightful than it ever has been. Well, I feel like a lot more true to myself, you know? Like I consider myself to be... (laughs) Like, I know it's going to sound dumb, but kind of a freedom fighter. What do you mean? In what way? Well, like, I really do believe, you know, of course, with any, like, comedic content, there's a perspective, there's a judgment, right? Sure. But, like, as a girl, as a minority, like, I am, like, fighting for those people, you know? Like, I'm fighting for the people that, like, never thought they could win. Right. And I feel like I'm bringing that to the table more than I ever was before. Like, I'm not against women. I'm not against sluts. I'm not against, like, anyone trying to do what they want to do. Like, you know, against the advisements of people that were kind of, like, guiding my career at the time. Right? So, like, now I'm very, like, that's never been me. Like, I'm super for all of those things, you know? And I feel like that's what I want to bring to the content that I'm, that I'm creating and that the things I'm talking about, you know, I just want to be the only thing I really like hate on are guys that don't get it. <laughs> like dudes that don't get it. It's like the only thing I make fun of now. Don't get, don't get what specifically or just, well, or just what you're trying to do. Guys that, 
I don't know. I feel like I have a lot of encounters with guys that are just very, the only way I can really describe it are like, they're not enlightened, you know, like their approach and trying to talk to me or like people that I see, um, I don't know, like what they think works. I don't, I feel like I feel bad for guys in a lot of ways. Okay. I feel like dudes have been misinformed. You know, <laughs> girls like this, or this is how you talk to yeah. a girl, or well, you say something only... negative to her and make her feel bad about herself, and then she'll like go out oh, with you. the pickup artist? Yeah. Negging? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like any stuff like that. Like, Isn't I'm... that what Trump did to the entire country? Or like, I have a friend, <laughs> okay, this, she'd be so mad at me if I was telling this story, but like. That's fine. I'm going to tell, anyway, briefly. So I have a friend and she was like seeing this guy, they had a real connection and then they haven't talked in a couple of weeks, you know, whatever. And she was kind of upset about it. Did he ghost her? Is that what's happening? No, he didn't ghost her, but he kind of just like. Slow fade out. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't even say that. Like I would say that they're like still like connected in some weird way, but he's just kind of like a not, he's not as a communicative person as she is. Right. Got it. Got it. And there, it's so new in the relationship where they haven't like been able to like have these conversations and being like, okay, so this is what I need. This is what you need. Like it's very, very new in them seeing each other. Sure. So they're kind of like not putting pressure or expectations on anything yet. Right. Right. So like weeks will go by where they don't talk. And she told me that he sent her a text message after weeks of them not talking. And it was like, oh, I've been thinking about you. And it was like a screen cap of like some porn he was watching. And it was like, what? What do you mean? Like, that's how he contacts you now? Like, you haven't talked in weeks. And now he's sending you a screenshot of porn he's watching, thinking of you? Like, that no, that's like you do that when you're real comfortable with someone. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're really comfortable with someone and you guys trust each other, you've been hooking up, whatever, you talk like often, like maybe you've established like that level of being comfortable with each other. But like you haven't talked to someone in four weeks that's and a you're weird. sending them a screenshot of porn you're watching, being like thinking of you. That is weird. That's a little weird. And I feel like guys, like, I don't wanna say it's his fault. Like I kind of don't think it is. Like I think it's just like guys have this idea of like what what they should do or like who they should be or the message the message they should be sending like i remember i was talking to this guy about a year ago and he um i don't know he like didn't want to feel responsible for my feelings i think he was like trying to intentionally keep distance between us even though we both like felt yeah something there and he would tell me like yeah there's sometimes i like i don't want to text you because i like I want to get that close or whatever or move that fast. But like, I'll just like look at your Instagram. I'll just like look at your pictures and be like, oh, she's so pretty. And I was like, that's so weird. You know, you could just like, you could talk to me. Like, it's fine. <laughs> you know, like it's not. I'm actually here in real life. Like you can like, see me. Like, isn't that weird? Yeah. I mean. Like that's how, like instead of reaching out. Right. But he wants to create distance. He would look at my pictures. And then told me that. That's weird. Yeah, telling you that's like the weird. That's weird. It's like the weird part of it. Like (laughs) whatever he has going on himself. And if he does that, like that's one thing. But then to bring it to your attention, like, hey, I look at your pictures, but not text you. Yeah, but I don't don't want to text you because I want want you to think that like. I think he was just thinking he was being sweet. But I like you enough to like look at your pictures when I'm thinking of you. That's so weird. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... um, there's a lot of weird things that, that guys do that I, you know, I, I have two sisters and, and I, you know, a lot of female friends and hear about a lot of things that guys like the, I, I the unsolicited dick pic is a huge thing, which oh my God. I don't understand because, you know, I'm, I'm like, Hey, at least go out to dinner with me first. Like I'm not just going <laughs> to say at, at first. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, I think that is sexual harassment. I think the unsolicited dick pic is sexual harassment. It's the same thing as being a flasher. Really, it yeah, is. I didn't fucking ask for it. You're just I don't disagree with that. It to me. I've had people do that on Instagram where it's like you have to like accept their message or whatever and they'll be like, oh, hey, what's up, blah, blah. Like, I'm a fan of Here's what you do. And I'll respond, right? Because then you like unblock them or yeah. whatever. Someone I don't know. And I'll right. be like, thank you so much. And they'll send me a fucking image of their dick or something. And I'm like, really? It's it's why like that is harassment don't send me a picture of your dick you don't even know me you've never even met me that's kind of like the whole idea of yelling at a woman on the street too like when has that ever worked like when has it ever happened where it's been like here's my dick oh can we fuck 
I like, don't That's know. never happened. I read ever. this article about someone that was doing that, a girl that was doing it like from the opposite way where she would like talk to someone on Tinder, like say like, hi, and send a vagina pic. <laughs> and, like the response is totally different like guys are like oh yeah baby I don't like, know that, that right away I'd be like, like it's different like guys are like yes they're yeah. like they don't consider it the same thing like it's not harassment to them but like for yeah. girls we're kind of like wait what what's going on for most females like, like we just get an unsolicited dick pic it's weird it's kind of like wait what yeah what is happening right now if someone sent me a vagina like that I wouldn't necessarily be offended but I'd immediately be like no like that's cool. Like what's happening? Yeah, like this is just <laughs> this is just weird, and I don't like it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, what have you had any other like incredibly weird encounters? Because I'm assuming like you get all kinds of weird random messages. Um, I mean, not really. Like, I feel like that's definitely the weirdest. People that have just sent me random dick pics or something, but um, no, not really. There was one person that was interacting with me a lot that kind of had this idea that we were in a relationship, someone I'd never met before. And wow. It was like a lot, like a lot of attention, I guess. Mm-hmm. It was kind of strange. Um, but I, I don't know. That's, that's probably like the other weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. Guys, you don't want to do that. Just FYI, any yeah, of any don't. of the things we're talking about, just don't do it. I don't know where that even where, where that even comes from, like where that behavior. I mean, honestly, I feel bad talking about it because I feel like it's like a mental health issue. It could be, but it's pretty prevalent from what I understand. What dick pics or yeah. thinking that you're okay? Well, no, no that's dick pics. yeah, that's yeah. different. That's just yeah. like different. But I feel like the person that was yeah, like, that's like, definitely like a we disassociative in, like yeah. Someone thought that we were like in a relationship or felt like betrayed by me or whatever. It was kind of like that I'd never met. Right. You know that was kind of weird. But other than that, things are good. <laughs> <laughs> other than that. Other than that. So what's so what's next for you then? What's next? What's next? Well, you know, I just wrote some projects trying to see what's happening with oh. that. I'm on a Stanley animated series called The Reflection, which is dope. What do you play on that? Uh, like a lot of random voices. Okay. I, I'm, I'm like this uh, mutant, like a teenager, bitchy mutant that lives in the sewer and she's mad at the world. And I do other voices for that, which is really fun. And um, yeah, and then my podcast, V Carded. V Carded. And when and where can you hear that? Uh, you guys can go to vcarta.com or subscribe on iTunes. We're there too. So that's awesome. And other than that, just like whatever comes my way, taking it. <laughs> what What's like the pinnacle for you now? But what's your like, you know, everybody has that kind of like long term, like, okay, if this happened, it'd be fucking awesome. What's I'm, that kind of goal for you? I have a lot of things I want to do and accomplish, I think, along the way. Um, but I really want to, I want to like, learn tv like in and out like i want to sell a show i want to like be there and see how it's made and learn about that process like that's something i'm really working on this year is trying to figure out how to create tv that's my biggest goal for the time being so are you doing it more so in a writer aspect or are you doing it do you want to do like the production and like directing maybe or do you want to, is it something it's that you're so trying funny. to... People keep asking me that if I want to direct stuff. And I'm like... I don't it's a natural think... progression typically for like an actor or whatever. Because yeah. it's like you can't be <laughs> in everything that you write. Right. Um, you know, and I've I've thought about that too. I'm working on... Uh, I'm doing a table series for a web series, comedy web series I wrote tomorrow. Um, but, you know, there's a couple other projects that I'm writing that I'm like, this is... I'm not right for this and I would love to direct something. I'd love to produce something. So I think, I think it's just a natural progression. Yeah. So is there, I mean, is that, I mean, are you I looking at TV in the aspect of like, hey, I would just like to write and then maybe direct this and not so much like play a part in it? I mean, I wouldn't count anything out. Like I, I'm interested in learning like how it's all done. Mm-hmm. So I think it's all definitely a possibility. Okay. And do you, do you have anything aside from, um, you know, you said you've, you've been writing some things. Are there any things that you're going to, anything that you're going to shoot yourself that, um, we can look forward to. Is there any anything in the works that's just gonna be happening? Um, yeah, there is, but I don't okay. know if I can talk about it yet. Okay. Yeah, there's some stuff on the horizon that might be coming out this holiday season. Ooh, holiday It'll be season. Really funny. Yep. Wow. Maybe on like college humor or something like that. Oh, but we'll see. <laughs> okay. We'll have to keep a lookout for that. Yep. All right. Well, do you have anything else that you would like to add? No. Okay. No. 
I'm talked out. You're talked out. Yep. Yeah, we've, we've made it. We made it a good hour here, we so did it. it's pretty solid. We've, we've passed the finish line. All right. Well, Aaron, thank you for joining me thank for my you. second episode, Yay. and thank you to everybody out there for tuning in. And I will hopefully see you again not in another seven months. <laughs> but I just have a lot of things happening, so it's, yes. it's hard to you know pull this together. But thank you again for being here. Thanks for having me. Of course. <laughs> Bye, guys. We'll see you again. Bye.